Father, this morning we want to thank you. We want to bless you. We want to magnify you. We want to exalt you. You alone are the only true and living God. And besides you, Lord God, there is none else. We bless you this morning for your faithfulness. Lord God, looking back and all the things that's happened to us, around us, and still happening, we can truly say you are a faithful God. And for this we say thank you. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you, Lord God, for encouraging us. Thank you for strengthening us. Thank you for healing us. Even in our times of pain and confusion, Lord God, you continue to encamp round about us and speak to us words of consolation. And say, Lord, we bless you. Thank you, Father God, for our time together this morning. We commit this to you. We honor you because you are good. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Good morning and welcome again to this service coming to you from World Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia, where our vision is building strong families and serving global communities. And so we want to thank you for taking the time to join us this morning, wherever you may be watching from, or if you're here in the sanctuary. We do not take this lightly. We understand that you have many other choices and options, but we want to just thank you for uh, uh, just joining us and participating with us today. And so very quickly, I'm going to dive into the word this morning. Uh, I started speaking last Sunday on navigating change, and I explained from Genesis chapter 28 begin from verse 10, that we need to understand why change come. And by the way, everybody goes through changes. Either you are going through one now, or you'll be going through one later, or you just came out of one. But welcome to change. Amen. And so the point is, we need to understand why change, why God allows it. Number one, God allows it to give me and you the opportunity to experience God in a deeper way. And secondly, it allows you and I to grow in our intimacy and thus resulting in our being transformed. So in Genesis 28, we began last Sunday talking about Jacob, who out of fear, because he cheated his brother for his, uh, of his birthright, uh, began to run away, run away from home. He was afraid that Esau was going to kill him because Esau said, yes, he will kill him. And so we saw five assurances from God last Sunday, which I did not finish. Number one, in Genesis 10, in verse 13, God introduced himself to Jacob as a covenant God. He introduced himself as the God of Abraham, his father, and God of Isaac. In other words, God was saying to him, listen, as I was with Abraham, as I fulfilled my word to Isaac, even in your time of distress, I come to give you the assurance that I'll be with you. Number two, God promises his continual presence to Jacob. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, part A, God says he will be with him. And so this morning, I want to take it from there 
and look at the three other promises or assurances that God gave Jacob. Genesis chapter 28, and let me just jump to verse 15. Verse 15. Genesis 28 verse 15. Behold, I'm with you. So there we see the uh, presence of God. God promises his presence no matter what you are going through. No matter what you've been through, what you are going through, no matter your state, no matter the mental status, no matter if you are born again, you have the assurance from the Lord Jesus that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, moving on, it says, behold, I'm with you. Secondly, it says, I will keep you wherever you go. So the, the third assurance here is, God promises Jacob his protection. I will keep you wherever you go. So that word keeping implies within it the possibility for all kinds of conflict or dangerous circumstance. But God is giving him the assurance that no matter if you go through the valley, I'm there. If you go up on the mountains, I'm there. Wherever your state is, I am going to keep you. And for you and I, I don't know what change you are navigating right now. You need to receive the same assurance for yourself that you have a covenant-keeping God who promises to be with you, but not only be with you, but he will also keep you. One of the uh, names, one of the attributes of God is that God is omnipotent. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. In other words, there's nothing that's happening to you, there's nothing that's going to come to you for which God is not adequately equipped to help see you through it. Amen? Next, in God's assurances, still Genesis chapter 15, part C now. So he says, I'm with you, I will keep you wherever you go. And he says, I will bring you back to this land. I will bring you back to this land. That's an assurance of preservation. Preservation. God is promising Jacob, listen, you're on a journey. You are fearful for your life. But I guarantee you that just as you are going out, you will also come back. Glory to God. What an assurance. In Psalms 121, verses 7 and 8, we saw the assurance there. Psalms 121, let me just read it very quickly. Verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, uh, Okay. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Look at that. Not just some evil. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Verse 8 says, The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth even forevermore. That's the assurance we have of God. Not only of his presence, of his protection, and here, of his preservation. And lastly, the assurance God gave Jacob in verse 15, Genesis 28, verse 15, part D, he says, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Oh my God. Paul tells us in Philippians 1, 6, that the God that has begun a good work in us is the same God that will finish and perfect everything that concerns us. So God is saying to him, listen, I know what promise I made to your father Abraham. 
I know what promise I made to Isaac. I know what promise I'm making to you. And I'm telling you, no matter what you go through, high or down, abandoning or abasing, no matter what your history is, I am assuring you that I will perform my word towards you. God's word, the Bible says, he watches over his word to perform it. He says none of his word will return unto him void. And I'm saying, to that, I'm saying that to you this morning. Whatever promise God has made to you, you can take it to the bank. Why? God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it, will he not do it? Amen? Now, let me shift a little bit now. In this time of change for Jacob, we've heard of the assurances that God gave to him. Number one, that God is a covenant-keeping God. Number two, that God's presence will be with him. Number three, that God will protect him. Number four, that God will preserve him and that God will perform his word towards him. Now, let us look at Jacob's response to God's assurances. In Genesis 28, verse 18, because it's one thing for God to speak to you. It's another thing for you to know how to adequately respond to what God has said. That is very, very important. Many of us do not know that, what to do with that. Many of us don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond to God. God comes and says something to you, speaks to you, or does something for you, and we, for the most part, really don't understand or know how we ought to respond. And here this morning, we can learn from Jacob's response. In Genesis 28, verse 18, the Bible says, Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and put oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that place, the name of that city had, pre, had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me, and God keep me in this way that I'm going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house, and all of that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. So basically, Jacob rehearsed back to God all of God's assurances to him. And then, in verse 18, he did something. The Bible said he worshipped. He worshipped. He built an altar. He did something. He memorialized the fact that God had just encountered him. For, for many of us, we really truly don't know how to do this. God speaks a word. Maybe you're reading, uh, you read a scripture and bang, God just gives you an inspiration. You sense the power of God. You sense the presence of God. And you just casually walk away from that experience. You shouldn't do that. Jacob took a pause moment, a Selah moment, and worshipped. I remember years ago, it's been a while now, uh, before we had a church, uh, I had a particular ministry that supported myself and one of my very close friends that we traveled together. We traveled to the nations together. And uh, the bulk of my uh, ministry support as an evangelist back then came from this ministry, about 50%. Huge, each, each sum of money. And so while I was away traveling, I got my, my wife received a letter from that ministry 
uh, to say that the support they gave us was going to be terminated as of the uh, uh, end of that month. Now, you talk about change. That was bigly huge change. When 50% of your entire income was on the line, it's like taking a 50% pay cut right now in today's terminology. Okay? So that's the letter we received. Now, I received it, and my friend received the same letter. And he called me up, said, man, bank, do you see blah, 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 blah. And he just unloaded. And I listened to him and said, wow, everything he's saying is true. Or rather, should I say, it's a fact. But right there in that moment, God checked me. He said, don't, don't, don't buy into that. Don't buy into that. Because your source is not mine, but me. And so what God placed in my heart was, when I returned back to the United States, to get a nice gift and take that gift to that ministry to thank them for the three years previously that they've supported us. In other words, I'm not to think of a sense of loss, but a sense of gratitude. And so that's exactly what I did. I came back, we bought the gift, got in my car, drove to the ministry to present to the pastor to thank him for what he had done. <laughs> I, I'm standing here this morning and I remember the story just like it's yesterday. Before I could get to the pastor, his accountant came out of his office and said, Ah, Pastor Bank, hey man, it's good to see you, blah, 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 blah. And he spilled the beans. Basically telling me they've rescinded their notice that instead of canceling my support, they in fact will double it. Now, watch this. My friend who were receiving the same amount of support, who was in a complaint avenue through this whole scenario, never got a rescind. His support was cut. So when this guy told me that, and the pastor confirmed it, and I got back in my car, I felt an overpowering presence of God. And for minutes in that car, I just sat there and just blessed God and just worshiped him and just memorialized that day, that moment. Because I realized this was a God moment. This was not me. This was God doing something. And I will tell you from that day to this day, I have never been afraid of a financial challenge. Seriously. Why? Because God <laughs> has proven to me beyond a reasonable doubt that is in fact Jehovah El Shaddai. And I'm saying the same thing to you this morning, wherever you're watching or listening from, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can think or ask according to the power of God that is within all of us. But don't miss the God moment and just rush out from the presence of God. Have a Salah moment. Memorialize what God has just done. Bless him for it. Cause that memory, build an altar in your heart to say, God, you did this. That's what Jacob did. Secondly, so number one, Jacob's response was worship. Secondly, his response was work. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, the Bible says, he says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Work. 
He made a commitment. Because faith without works is dead. He made a commitment. God, you've spoken to me. You've been so good to me. I hear everything you said you're going to do to me. As a result of what you are doing in my life, I commit to you, God. Of everything you're going to give me, a tenth belongs to you. In his case, the work was given. 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 And I'm saying that to many of us this morning. We need to get in that mindset of understanding that everything we have, we are mere stewards of it. Stewards. And as stewards, you manage, you don't own. And therefore, it becomes easy for you to give back to God what belongs to him. So first, he worshipped. Secondly, he got into work because faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And lastly, in Genesis 29 verse 1, so Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. Now when you read that in the Amplified Classic, in Genesis 29 verse 1, he just didn't go on his journey. The Bible says he, 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 he went on briskly and cheerfully. Look at that. Jacob went briskly and cheerfully. In other words, his work changed. Prior to this time, he was a reluctant traveler. He was running out of fear. But by the time he encountered God, his steps changed. He had a little more spring in his steps. He was able to be cheerful. He had enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means to be God-filled. So he responded in worship. He responded in work. And by the way, when I say work, in his case, he gave, and I'm encouraging all of you guys, start giving to God. But beyond giving, some of us could be service. It could be service. It could be service. We engage. We get involved. We partner with God and say, God, I'm going to get involved in your work. In service of some kind. Amen? He worshiped, he worked, and then his walking changed. Now, for the last part of this message, so we see God's assurances to Jacob. We see Jacob's response to God's assurances. And for the next few minutes now, I want to talk about the result of Jacob's encounter, the result itself. Okay? So going back to Genesis chapter 8, I mean chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Verse 12. Genesis 28 verse 12. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. That is so loaded. And the idea here is, you and I, like Jacob, must recognize that we are the center of spiritual activities in the earth. I'm going to say that again, because you really need to get this. Jacob realized at that moment that where he was was the center of spiritual activity in the earth. And likewise for you and I right now. How do we know that? The Bible says angels were doing what? Ascending and descending. Notice the order. Notice the order. Angels were not coming down from heaven. No. The angels were not descending and then ascending. No, the sequence was 
the angels were ascending, which means what? They were in the earth. They were ascending and descending upon the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. So he saw a ladder whose top reached to heavens and whose feet was on the earth. So we see that there's a connection between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth is united. And in that unity of purpose, angels were ascending, doing what? Carrying the message of man to heaven. Oh my God. And bringing back from heaven the answers of God. And all of this was happening in the exact place where Jacob was laying down and he saw the ladder whose top reached to the heavens and his feet in the earth. Interesting. Because in John chapter 1, in verse 51, Jesus decoded this for us. Give me John 1, 51. And he said to him, this is Nathaniel, when Jesus saw Nathaniel and spoke regarding Nathaniel in John chapter 1. And Nathaniel was blown, blown away that Jesus saw him and prophesied about him. And so in, that, in verse 51, Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Uh-huh. And the angels of God, doing what? Ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? Jesus is my connection and your connection between heaven and earth. Jesus is the ladder between heaven and earth. Is God and his man at the same time. Everything you and I get, we get because through the auspices of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, interestingly, you and I must understand that what is true of Jesus, now is true of us. Why? Because we are now in him. <laughs> so you and I now have become the connection between heaven and earth. And this is why it's important that we understand how we use our mouth and our tongue. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Now, see what I'm saying in Psalms 103, verses 20 and 21. Psalms 103, verses 20 and 21. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding to the voice of his word. How do I activate my angels? How? How do I activate these angels that's ascending and descending? Because I am now, you are now, the spiritual center of activities in the earth. But how do you activate your angels? God just told you. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. The angels do what? They do the word of God. Heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. The angels don't respond to your opinion. They don't. They don't respond to your emotion. They only respond and heed to the voice of the word of God. So the question is, what kind of words are you speaking? 
Because based on what you speak, you can activate or deactivate. Hallelujah. One more scripture on that one. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Hebrews 1 14. The Bible says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Referring to angels. Signed forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. So the angels are sent forth to be your ministers. They are sent forth to be our ministers. But they can only minister by heeding to the voice of the word of God. So Jacob came to find out that he is the spiritual center of activities in the earth as Jesus was in his earthly ministry and as you and I now in this day and time. Number two, number two, Genesis 28 verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Wow. Jacob came to realize that God was with him all along, but just didn't know it. Now, we touched on this a little bit last week, but I just want to emphasize it again now. All through this journey, from the moment he ran away from home, and going to his uncle's place. God was with him all along. And now we hear from his, from his mouth in verse 16. He said, God is in this place. And I didn't know it. Why did he not know it? He was gripped with anxiety. He was gripped with confusion. He was gripped with loneliness. Remember, this is the first time he's ever going to be away from home. He is gripped with unresolved conflict with his brother. And on and on and on he goes. And I don't know what's gripping you right now. Perhaps you're just lonely. Your husband is left. Your wife is left. Your kids are estranged. Things are happening. And you just say, man, I'm tired of being alone. Or you're in anxiety because of one situation or the other. Or you're just confused with life. Or perhaps you are dealing with unforgiveness. Somebody's hurt you, they've done something terrible, and you're just saying, I just can't forgive them. Well, the point is, you don't have the luxury. Because any of these things, loneliness, anxiety, confusion, unforgiveness, will rob you of the ability to see God in your situation. I, as I was getting ready for this message, God brought to my mind the story of Joseph. And I really don't want to go into all of it now. But it is so interesting that Joseph was betrayed by his own brother, sold into slavery. Was that a bad thing? Yes. Yes. And then from there, he was sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar's life, just wife, liked him a little too much. And seduced him. And this young boy did the right, or the righteous thing, ran away. And the woman accused him anyway, and nobody believed him, and they threw him in prison. I mean, that's enough stuff for anyone in a lifetime to just say, you know what, to heck with it. But when you read the account, the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. And God was with Joseph. 
and God prospered Joseph. Why? Because Joseph never focused on the errors or the wrongs that were done him. He kept his eyes, his focus was on God. And that's what I'm trying to say to us now. And that, this brings me to the next point in Jacob's, uh, uh, in what happened with J Jacob. And if you, are, if you are listening to me now and you say, Pastor, you just don't understand. You don't, no, uh, maybe I don't. But God does. God does. No matter what the situation you're in, cast your cares upon Jesus. He's the only one that's fully equipped adequately to deal with whatever you're dealing with. Stop making yourself the victim. Don't make yourself the victim. Instead, exhort the Lord Jesus in the, in the situation. Cast your cares upon him. Ask him to get involved. And lastly, for Jacob, in verse 17, he says, and he was afraid and said, how awesome in this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Wow. So number one, he realized that it's become the center of spiritual activities in the earth. Number two, he realized that God had been with him all through this while. And lastly, we are told, he now realized this is not just a place. This is, in fact, the house of God. And the thing that caught my attention in this verse 17, notice in verse 17, it says, he was afraid. And then in the next sentence, he said, how awesome is this place? Come on. He was afraid in one second. The next second, say, wow, how awesome is this place? What is going on? Notice this. His circumstance has not changed. Saul is still at home saying, if I get this guy, I'm going to kill him. That has not changed. So I'm saying to you, you still may be lonely after this message. You still may find yourself angry with somebody after this message. Your immediate physical, natural situation may not change immediately. However, the change for Jacob was a change of perspective. You and I are one perspective away from our breakthrough. One moment he said, I'm afraid. And the next moment he says, this is an awesome place to be. What happened? His situation did not change. But his perspective changed because of revelation. Revelation meaning he got light. He had a revelation that in fact, God is with me. And therefore, it doesn't matter what, what happens. Hallelujah. And now I can appreciate Jacob in Hebrews 11.21. Where the Bible says, when Jacob was dying, glory to God, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning over the top of his staff. Now I can appreciate it. What will cause a dying man to worship? How many dying men and women have we seen? 
that worshipped. Jacob was able to worship. Why? Because all of a sudden, he must have played back all the memory, went back to memory lane, and saw God's faithfulness. My God. How God's brought him through some tough, tough situation. How God has delivered him. How God has provided for him. How God has blessed him. How God has allowed him to live to a good, ripe, old age. And in that moment, he said, oh my God, you've been so faithful to me. Thank you so much for being a good God. And with that confidence and faith, he blessed Joseph's children. So what I'm saying to you is, Although his circumstances had not changed, his perspective changed. And he was able to say, this is an awesome place. And in time, the circumstance caught up with his revelation. And I'm saying to you this morning, if you just hold on to God, if you don't give in to your emotions, if you don't give in to these natural causes, these changes up and down, up and down. If you don't break down, if you don't give in, if you come to breakthrough to see the faithfulness of God in and through all this situation, in due season, like Jacob, your circumstance will also change. It will change. It will change. Jacob's perspective changed when he got his identity right. And that's where we're ending this morning. He said, this is none other than the house of God. Who is the house of God? The Bible says, you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, he got his identity right. He got the fact that, oh, I am. I, Jacob, I am the house of God. Where I am is where God is. And when he got that right, Everything changed. It's an identity issue. And so next Sunday, I'm going to pick it up from there and talk to us about this house. About this house. How being the house of God, you and I can navigate confidently whatever change comes our way. And we don't have to go down with the change. We can thrive through whatever change comes our way. Amen? And so Father, this morning I want to thank you for every man and every woman who has listened to this message. God, I pray by the power of your spirit that you help us to see you through whatever it is that we are challenged by. You say we should look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord God, we thank you that we can cast all our cares, all our burdens upon you be it loneliness, be it job loss, be it a change in the relationships, whatever the changes are, my Lord and my God, there is no change that's come upon us, but such as is common to every man. And with every temptation, you've given us a way of escape. And so, Lord, I thank you for a door, a way to survive, to thrive in whatever the change is. If you brought Jacob through, we are confident that you'll bring us through. And so, Lord God, rather than focus on our situation, we focus on you, the Lord God Almighty. You are the one that do not change. Our circumstances will change. And so, Father, I thank you. 
Now, peradventure, there's one person that's listening today, Lord God, that does not know you. We want to give them the opportunity to come to know the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is in knowing you that they have the assurance of your presence. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you are ministering all across this sanctuary and through the airwaves, wherever your people may be listening. Touch their hearts. Bring them a point of surrender. Help them to understand how much you love them for which you give your only begotten son. And Father God, I thank you for that man, that woman, who has come to the point of decision right now as they acknowledge you as their Lord God and Savior. I thank you that they are gloriously born again. And so Father, we thank you for souls into your kingdom and we honor you. Thank you, Father God, because you're a great God and we bless you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.